Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. This week, it's our 100th episode, Yay! and we're discussing Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 8, Time Amok. And <laughs> so we many so other things. Many things. <laughs> okay, let's start with our 100th episode game. So, I've started posting things on Twitter that are the prizes. There is a teen Cornwell jacket. I believe it's a small and a medium. Oh, cool. And it could be a medium and a large. I should have looked this up, but I'm pretty sure it's a small and a medium. So, they're little. You don't have to be as tiny. <laughs> uh, a Prodigy tote bag that is a very nice, heavy canvas with the Star Trek Prodigy logo as well as Nickelodeon and Paramount Plus. Yes. A data art print that is stunning absolutely beautiful done by a freelance artist who has also done a whole bunch of covers for marvel dc image she's very prolific and does beautiful work and she did these three star trek characters dax seven and data and i'm keeping dax and seven sorry mm. guys but i'm putting the data into the prize pile and it's also signed amazing i have a funny collection of action figures mm. including Riker, troy data lursa and Vitor. what it's a funny selection dr pressure and tashi r you can choose which of these random mostly tng characters <laughs> Because they're all TNG characters. Again, I'm keeping seven of nine. Sorry. No, don't apologize. Obviously, <laughs> you keep the seven. And I know that Liz is working on stickers. Yes. I bought a Cricut at the beginning of summer, which is like a vinyl and paper cutting machine. And then yesterday, I finally bought a proper printer for stickers. And so there's some trial and error going on. I did a draft of a What About Man Person sticker and realized that the font I had chosen is just too fine for display like it doesn't really turn up so I, I need to rethink my aesthetics but stickers are coming down the pipeline and in the meantime I made a Discovery Admiral vinyl sticker for my laptop Ooh. which no one else can have because I love it and so how you enter to get one of these wonderful prizes is number one you can leave a review on any review leaving podcast place Yes. And just let us know where to find it by mailing us at mail at antimatterpod.com. Or just tweet us. Yeah, you can tweet us. Uh, I guess you could use Facebook. I'm on Facebook intermittently, but allegedly we have a Facebook. Or on Tumblr. Shout out on social media. I mean, you could also, if you wanted to like, Tweet to your followers, hey, everybody follow Antimatterpod. That counts as a review as well. Uh, honestly, you could just at us on Twitter going, hey, I like your podcast. I think it's great. What do you have for me? <laughs> exactly. We're, we're, we're easy. Yeah. And starting next Tuesday when this episode airs, I'm going to have little uh, questions on the Twitter, like, you know, 
who's your favorite Star Trek character? Something mm. like that to get people talking. And if you engage with those tweets using the hashtag AntiMatterPod100, then you also get entered. Awesome. I didn't think of that at all. I want to flag that uh, given the nature of the world right now, we're setting a pretty loose time frame on actually sending things out. Because, yeah. for example, USPS <laughs> is not shipping to Australia or New Zealand at all. We will, of course, pay for the shipping, but we can't guarantee that it'll come at any time. Women of Warp is also having the same problem with shipping. It's pretty much across the board, I would say difficulties getting places i i ordered gifts on etsy that i'm still getting now in january i so. ordered you a gift from a melbourne company and it is still in transit so <laughs> <laughs> uh, suffice to say if you're in the antipodes maybe request a sticker and then you only have to wait on me and whatever the hell australia post is doing Okay, that's that. Annika, we have so much Star Trek coming down the pipeline. <gasps> oh my goodness. So, <laughs> last Trek Tuesday, they announced all of the dates for Star Trek for the next year, basically, or at least, you know, through the summer. And then Lower Decks is coming at some point. The past two seasons have begun at the end of August, so we're assuming that's mm. when Lower Decks will come again, although that wasn't actually announced. Yeah, we have <laughs> dates through to July. There is a constant stream of new Star Trek coming, including three weeks of overlap between Picard Season 2 and the end of Discovery Season 4. Can I say... It's crazy. <laughs> as a podcaster and as a human being, I'm not happy about that. The way time zones are, both of those start hitting illegitimate feeds on Thursday night. Thursday night is also good Sam night for me, assuming it hasn't been cancelled by then. I'm like, I don't know if I have enough emotional spoons to deal with all of this. Not to mention that we know from the end of Prodigy and the beginning of Discovery that we as podcasters sort of struggle with two Star Treks in one week. It's a lot even just to watch. Yeah. And... Then watching with a, I'm not going to say critical, but with an eye for more than just enjoyment. Yes, it's really hard. That's a lot. Yeah. And especially, I mean, often I will watch these episodes more than once if I don't have enough to say the first time. Yeah. Or if I didn't like it and want to say <laughs> something more than I didn't like this. I mean, I watch a lot of television, so I'm not going to say that it's... You know, I watch new episodes of all of my shows, all of my procedurals, but watching a couple Law and Orders or FBI's or One Chicago's, 911's, goodness, I have a lot. They're, they're all franchises now. <laughs> it's, it's getting a little crazy out there. Or even Good Sam. All of those, they don't take the same amount of energy as... Star Trek or like the Book of Boba Fett. What I want to suggest is that we simply let Discovery end and do our regular weekly episodes for Discovery and then pick up Picard and talk about those three episodes and the fourth one. Like mm -hmm. my plan personally, if you don't mind, is to just mute all of the hashtags and the chats and everything and watch Picard on Sunday night. 
because I need that time to process discovery and do our podcast mm-hmm. without a second show getting in the way. I think that's fair. Excellent. I think it's crazy that they're overlapping like this. It seems unnecessary. unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> as unnecessary as having discovery on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, I guess. To me, it's doing Discovery a disservice because they're coming to the end of their season at their big finale, and we know that in terms of mainstream attention and coverage, Picard is always going to trump that. Right. And then, as if that wasn't crazy enough, the season finale of Picard and the season premiere of Strange New Worlds are happening on the same day. (sighs) Again. Who made that decision? (laughs) We know that Paramount is not good at this. But that just steals thunder from both. I do think that this is better for casual viewers, and that actually makes me happy that that's a demographic that they're targeting. But at the same time, I'm just a podcaster standing in front of a corporation asking it to think (laughs) about my time management. I almost think we should see how we go with holding back our conversation about Picard. And maybe with Strange New Worlds, we can think about going back to bi-weekly episodes and maybe alternating, you know, we can finally do our Kai Win episode and then cover a month of Strange New Worlds. See how that goes. See how we yeah, feel we'll, about we'll, it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. by, by May, we're going to be so exhausted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be getting all of this Star Trek. I'm very excited for all of these things. I have become ridiculously invested in Picard yes when the first season while I was watching it I was not super invested and I didn't like the finale so I'm surprised at how excited I am for Picard (laughs) and they released a new trailer today oh my goodness and I am so excited I cannot wait to see these characters again and I'm more excited for the whole time travel and modern times shenanigans 100 percent. i don't want it to be fighting with discovery because i want i don't want to be looking to picard instead of watching the back half of discovery you know right right i want to take everything as it is and not have it competing with other things for my attention just like with strange new worlds i really want to be able to sit down and enjoy it on its own terms instead of hoping to see the characters that discovery left behind or blew up for strange new worlds i really have no idea what to expect i'm just going in not blind because i know what things are but I'm not looking for anything in particular from that show. I'm afraid that I am, and accordingly I'm trying to manage my expectations strictly. Okay. There were also some renewals announced. Yes. Discovery has been renewed for season five. I was totally wrong. I own that. I'm happy if we get to Outlast Enterprise, and isn't that great? (laughs) It is going to be only ten episodes. Yeah, what I was reading was that the 13 to 15 episode thing was a Netflix request and Mm -hmm. with Netflix paying for a large chunk of Discovery, that made it work. But the standard Mm -hmm. for Paramount Plus is 10 episodes. Right. And certainly there are other limited series, like I'm watching Yellow Jackets and that is 10 episodes. That's just how modern streaming television runs. Right. And... 
so Discovery was renewed. We already knew that Prodigy and Picard were renewed for their second and third season, mm -hmm. respectively. Strange New Worlds has also been renewed for a second season. Yeah, they are really gung-ho about this. I mean, there was a lot of people clamoring for that show before it was even announced. So I'm not surprised that it's getting a full court press, as it were. Yeah, I really hope that it is not the crowd-pleasing throwback that some fans are hoping for. I think the cast is certainly interesting outside of the white, familiar main trio. I'm optimistic now. I'm cautiously optimistic given how heavily Akiva Goldsman is involved, but if nothing else, a week-to-week -week episodic series is harder to mess up than a 10 or 15 episode arc. And frankly, I've watched three episodes of Good Sam. I am in no position to claim to have taste or critical sense or uh, standards. So, yeah. I just listed off all the terrible television that I watch weekly. <laughs> I definitely have no standing. <laughs> but at least I admit that it is terrible. It hits that right. And I'm, this is what I'm actually looking forward to and expecting from Strangey Worlds is maybe that procedural effect of telling a story and it, all of these shows have arcs and the characters change that's what i'm hoping for for good sam certainly but there is still a formula to it that each episode you get the, the formulaic stuff as well as the overarching themes and character developments Right. And I, I'm certainly optimistic that there won't be an emotional reset on the character arcs the way Voyager occasionally did. Mm. All right. Okay. So we are going to be exhausted. We're going to be watching Star Trek forever. Yes. We may be changing up the format of our show, but... <laughs> but, you know, raise a glass. <laughs> I am delighted. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And now let's talk about what I consider the best episode of Star Trek Prodigy and one of the best episodes of Star Trek. I'm a mop. It's funny because the buzz around it was like, they finally found a way to do something new with a temporal anomaly. And then I watched it and I was like, I saw this Farscape episode a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> I love this episode, but I love it more for the character stuff than the plot. Because the plot... Oh, well, I... The plot was great, but I've seen the plot. <laughs> I don't care about the plot at all. <laughs> Even the whole time aspects, that was all just a gimmick for the character stuff. In yeah, my yeah. In my perception, not opinion. The way I watched this episode is yeah. I couldn't explain the time stuff and I don't care. Unlike Rock Talk, I'm not going to teach myself quantum physics in order <laughs> to watch this episode. I do think that they walked a really good line in that there was a lot of technobabble at the front of this episode and I was like, oh, I've already failed trigonometry once. I don't care about sine waves. <laughs> and then they got into the stuff with Apollo 13 and I was like, yeah, this is what I love. This is what I want kids to know about. And so I really feel like they hit 
both of those sides in terms mm. of pleasing the nerds, or, or I should say the science nerds and the physics nerds and the history nerds like me. I was proud of myself for knowing that tachyon particles means time travel. Also, I loved that they went into a space cloud, just like on classic Voyager. Oh, <laughs> made me no. so happy. I love space cloud adventures. <laughs> and I almost felt like, because, okay, so at the top of the episode, we were having a Janeway lesson in cooperation, basically. And, yes. you know, all working together to solve this riddle. Getting the fox and the grain and the chicken and they all and need the to be. I think it's a bold move to have Kate Mulgrew and a chicken on a screen together these days even in I animated it. form it was so great I, just as the deadwood reference was a easter egg that had to be an orange's new black it seems impossible to think that they didn't at least think of it i actually could have watched a whole episode of these kids trying to figure out the riddle i know it was so sweet so they were all terrible at it and they couldn't work together and no one listened to the the people who had ideas no. And Dal gave up and said that they weren't cadets, they weren't Starfleet, they weren't a crew. He and came then clean. he walked out. Yeah. And stormed off. Oh my god, he's acting like a teenage boy. This was Dal's peak teenage boyness episode. <laughs> it very much was, but I love him and I understand. But so after that, the protostar drives into a space cloud that creates a Star Trek time travel, time warp, thing. fun times. Yes. Thing. And so I was like, did Hollow Janeway decide to go into the space cloud hoping <laughs> that it would create a crazy situation that they would have to work together to get out of? Because that's what it seemed like to me. That's something that non-Hollow Janeway would do. So. <laughs> Maybe she just wanted some coffee. <laughs> There's copy in that space cloud. <laughs> I started out thinking that this would be a Janeway episode, and it kind of was, but really yeah. everyone got their moment in the sun, and I really, really loved what they did with Jankum this week. He had two outstanding lines that really made me feel for him. Absolutely. Jankum was afraid it was a physical manifestation of how he feels. Yeah. We've all been there, Jankum. I relate. Yeah. That is a pandemic mood. And then at the end, remembering being dead is pretty heavy stuff. That is. It's so heavy. And the fact that he went first and he really did, like, we saw him blow up. Yes. That's the one that we saw happen. And also, I really liked that he said the the reason he was upset that Dahl, you know, spilled the beans about them not being cadets is that he wanted to go to the Federation. He said, we could have gone to the Federation and had a better life. Yeah. And I've struggled to connect with Jankum. And this episode, really, I still don't know enough about him, but I had a lot of empathy for him. Yeah, and he still got to do the comedy engineering stuff. And even when he's released from his obligation to pretend to be a cadet, he is still 
determined to look after the protostar and be her right. engineer. And I think that's an important character beat for him. I agree. And I liked those lines that had this sort of dark undertone to mm. them. All three of those lines make it seem like his comic reliefness is a defense mechanism. Yes. That he is protecting himself by being the butt of the joke. And I really like that. That builds his character for me in a positive way. Yeah. And it's a very common way for teenagers to behave. Certainly that was how I learned to be funny as a weird and insecure teenager. And I had all my limbs and did not look like a warthog. So. Right. And we don't know enough about Tellarites and we haven't met enough Tellarites Mm. to like know what they do, what they gravitate towards. You know how like Klingons are mostly warriors, for example. Yeah. And Vulcans are scientists, right? Yeah. But we don't know enough about Tellarites. And so because of that, though, the Tellarite engineer kid, like that is, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like something that he would gravitate towards Mm. because we haven't seen it before. Yeah. We don't have that context. And so it feels like he's that, you know, outcast nerd kid that, yes, tells jokes in order to put himself down before anyone else does. And now I wonder if the whole gag where he hates beauty and thinks beauty is ugly, I wonder if that is also not a Mm. sincere expression of his aesthetic, but another defense mechanism. Yes. Or a running joke that he has made part of his identity, much like my hatred of birds. I really like how this episode, again, develops Jankum into much more of a full character. Yeah. I have a better handle on who he is. Yes. We see Zero interacting with Janeway for, I think, the first time. And they are very much the responsible kid who is on good terms with the authority figures and the adults in their lives. Hermione. Yes. And I love that. And I love that Janeway seems surprised that they're not cadets. And I wonder how sincere that is. But... Mm. That it's Zero who stays back to explain the context to her and Zero who comes up with a way to save the ship. They had a smaller role this episode, but I love them. Zero's role and Zero's way of dealing with things is to put their head down and do the work. Yeah! And they're not looking for glory the way Dahl, for example, is. They're just doing what they can. But... They also had a few lines that were sort of heartbreaking. This is a very heartbreaking episode. Like, everything that happened to everyone was really heartrending for me. This episode was all about traumatizing children, and I'm into it. (laughs) So Zero had one line where they were like, I don't have control of my hands. Yes. Like, if, if only I had better control of my hands, and then if only I could tell everyone what they mean or something yeah. like that that and i was just like oh my goodness zero wants that connection that yeah you know everybody in the crew really like that's what it was it was so amazing because they're separated and once they're separated all of them realized how much they wanted to be a crew yes i was also thinking 
I have considered Jankum as a disabled character given that he has a prosthetic arm, but I hadn't quite made that connection with Zero. They're disabled in the way that a capital D deaf person is disabled, where there's nothing wrong with their body, it simply doesn't fit the societal norm and they need technology to adapt. Yes. And, yes. and so what Zero needs is better adaptive technology. And I kind of think maybe it would be cool for Jankum to design better hands for Zero because clearly Jankum's prosthetic is amazing and can go right. from a hammer to a very fine tool. And Zero just needs better hands. I have high hopes, though, now that they've had this experience yeah and they're all realizing that in order to be a crew like what really makes a crew is people caring about other people and yes worrying about the whole and not just the individual yeah and some of them were on their way there already like i think rock talk oh, yeah. has always been incredibly communally minded but also she's a little girl and they ignore her as they did in the teaser We'll get to right. We're not, we're not, we're not there. We're not there. We're at Doll. Doll had a smaller role this episode. This was very much an ensemble episode. Yeah. Doll has had a lot of focus and doesn't really yes. need the attention this week. Right. Exactly. He didn't need the, the attention. And I think that was good, but he still broke my heart because he said i'll mess it up i mess up things yeah and yeah. then when he did when it didn't work exactly right the first time he you know said i told you i i was mm. just gonna mess it up mm. and that is really sad to me <laughs> because again we've only really seen doll telling everybody how great he is yes and i think it's proof again that his alleged cockiness has been a front that he's putting on we talked about the Kobayashi Maru teaching him how to fail, and it did mm -hmm. to an extent, but his first serious failure has really, really knocked him for a loop. And he's never felt that before. He has had struggles, but he's not really made big mistakes. And learning to be resilient in the face of your own flaws is hard. And I completely yes. understand why he talk to his bed to play video games because that oh. is <laughs> it's <laughs> that's my child that's what that is no. i was like this is very familiar and it's not like i don't no <laughs> no <laughs> and i'm in my 40s so as an adult and a viewer it was like oh come on get it together but as a p person i completely understand and i have had days where i've gone Existing is too hard. I'm going to lie on my bed and play two dots. Exactly. Especially this past, you know, two years. Yeah. But he did rise to the occasion. He did. And make his warp matrix to zero specifications, but out of whatever he could find as they did in Apollo 13. And that was great. That was brilliant. And he also had the bright idea of using the vehicle replicator, which I think was super yes. smart. I don't know why the other replicators wouldn't do it either, but maybe the Dreadnought virus broke the whole replicator system in that time section. I mean, I don't know. Who knows, but we don't know anything. I've just made up a reason and I'm happy for it. To, there you go. Yeah, Very I don't, good. Don't need to think about it again. Yeah, I really liked his storyline. It broke my heart, but I also knew that 
Dahl is on a trajectory to becoming a fully realised adult. And right. this is an important phase for him to pass through, even though it is very annoying teenage boy. I mean, there are worse right. things teenage boys can do. Certainly. <laughs> then we have our daughter, Gwyn. Can I just say, watching Yellow Jackets, the first major scene is Ella Purnell's character faking an orgasm. And it was... I was unprepared. <laughs> you were like, oh dear. Oh <laughs> no. Oh no. Well, so Gwyn had to deal with Jednock and mm. therefore had to deal with her father and her past and her own complicity in a way. Absolutely. And she also had Janeway at her side and this was exactly what we were wanting. Janeway helping Gwyn along her redemption arc. Yes. And I, I loved her. I liked a lot, actually, that mm -hmm. because we've seen her use her wrist, her magical armor arm thing, mm. whatever it is, to great effect. Yeah. I mean, she did very well on Murder Planet with it. I mean, eventually they took her down, but they had to overwhelm her in order to take her down. Yeah. And yet Dreadnought, because he's her father's version of her arm thing... Yes. Just like an ascension version. And so he not only wasn't taken down, he injured her. And I really liked that. I liked that it was like, I can't just fight this the way that I fight everything. Yeah. And yet she also was completely undaunted. Yeah. Also, Dreadnought probably trained her. So right? he has no doubt been looking for an opportunity to kick her ass for a long time. Because... He's not a good person. He's not a good person. Mm. Droid. Thing. Whatever he is. We'll get to Dreadnought, but <laughs> I, I did like that he was a very formidable enemy. And yet, like I said, Gwyn was undaunted, which was in contrast to Dahl, who was very daunted. Yeah. And she used that in order to encourage Brock Talk the way that she needed to. Yeah. And in terms of acknowledging that she has not always treated Rock Talk well, even since she came onto the Protostar, but she believes in Rock Talk and that means a lot. But also, Gwyn is such an interesting character to me because she seems like she should be the captain, just as Dahl yes. does. But they're both so young. I feel like, one, imposing a strict hierarchy on a bunch of teenagers is always a bad idea. Mm -hmm. There are multiple Star Trek episodes about how giving cadets too much authority is bad. But mm -hmm. I think they're both separately going to become really strong leaders because of their experiences yes. here. Much like Mariner and Boimler, they're an amazing team regardless of who right, is quote-unquote in say. charge. Yeah. That regardless of who ends up captain and who ends up EXO, you can mm. tell that they are that Trek duo mm. that we get in every series. And I appreciate that. Also consider Michael and Saru, who have literally swapped right. around as captain and first officer. Because they realize that, you know, certain times call for other people. And that they can relinquish authority without fearing that they'll lose it forever. 
I think that this 21st century take on the train of commanders may be not true to the military experience, but it's very mature emotionally. And But maybe Starfleet isn't supposed to be militaristic. I mean, people have been having that argument for decades. When... <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. I'm, and I'm not, like, I'm not landing on the side of that it's not, that it, because I'm landing on the side of it, it very much is based mm. in the military. However, people have been arguing it forever and ever, and so maybe this is an attempt to show that side. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I also want to point out, while we're discussing Dal and Gwyn, that when Janeway said, haven't you noticed that no one's here? Dahl called on his communicator. He called for Gwyn. Yes. And then everybody else. Yes. And I think that that is notable. Because they're in love. I mean, <laughs> they're not, but they're friends and they're going to fall in love. She's the one that he relies on the most and has the mm. most connection with. And yeah, she's his person. Yes. And then we have then we have Rock, our precious traumatized Rock oh. child. Did you oh notice how intensely she was cuddling the fox in the opening scene? Yes. Like, once again, this child needs a hug. I told you. Touch I, starved. Yeah. I did not doubt it. And in fact, I noticed a Professor Muhammad Noor discussing on Twitter this morning whether or not hugging Rock or being hugged by her would be painful or hard like she's a rock or would it be very gentle right. like hugging a porcupine oh i i love rock talk so much this episode was such a beautiful because she yeah she's a kid she's the most kid of the kids yeah she's like nine and she does so much i loved go away janeway yes that was again so true to real children that has happened mm. to me personally <laughs> and, and i get it sometimes it's just too much kids are physically incapable and physiologically incapable of handling all of those emotions their brains are still building themselves and just the idea of rock talk spending any time alone but something in the order of, I guess, at least months is just devastating to me. And, and I realise it's one of those things where it was so shocking that I thought they have to reset this, they have to fix this, they can't let Rock Talk be alone this long. And then they didn't fix it. And that they didn't fix it. And that's great! I love traumatising characters, it's just that I prefer when they're not eight years old. Well, yeah, okay, but aliens? Yes. The movie Aliens. Yes. With Ripley. But yes. more importantly, with Newt. I see where so you're going. So I saw Aliens when I was not old enough. <laughs> I'm not old enough to see it now. I should not have seen that movie at the age that I was. Basically, I was Newt and I 100% related <laughs> to Newt when I saw that movie. And yet... It fundamentally changed me, mm. and I count it as one of those movies, along with Return of the Jedi, as creating my personality Gosh. because I imprinted on Newt so much, and I understood that level of aloneness, yeah. that absolute abandonment, and then finding people who are not 
your people, but they are people and you are ready and you will do anything mm. to be a part of that community and latch on to them. And that's rock talk. Right, exactly. That's rock talk. It, rock talk in this episode loses her family and has to fend for herself and has to take care of herself and also stop the disaster from happening. And that level of resilience in these small children is heartbreaking and horrible and should never be necessary. But again, in the current world that we live in, we oh are traumatizing God. children every day. Rock Talk was in isolation and remote learning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is so important and wonderful a story for this moment specifically. I didn't make that connection until you pointed it out, but that's amazing. And in spending this time and teaching herself all this science, she has found her identity and found her calling as the Protostar science officer. And I'm so, so happy for her. I love that the biggest, most monstrous looking of these children is also the youngest and maybe the smartest. Right. I loved that they acknowledge that, that they say you have brains and brawn and yeah. you are so important to the crew. And I loved Gwyn's message also, yes. I have to say. Gwyn's message was so heartwarming and it builds on that idea of Gwyn being the person who listens yes, and observes. Also, I really liked that there was this sort of Janeway to Gwyn to Rock Talk yes. progression. That was beautiful. Women supporting women and creating a little family of mom and big sister and little sister. And it's just like, this is so precious. I saw, I think it was a Tumblr post, and I think it was shared by you, that said Janeway is the mother that Gwyn needed and Gwyn is the big sister that Rock Top yes. needs. And I think what's particularly great about this is that even though all of this is building on, for example, Janeway's relationship with her Voyager crew and particularly with Seven and Kess, it doesn't feel like Hollow Janeway is being put into a motherhood role as the default. You know, she's a mentor, she's teaching, she's encouraging, and she is a mother figure, but she's not just a mother figure. Right. I, I think that's really, really well done. And I think fandom could stand to learn something from that, because my goodness, right. the amount of times I see Janeway being described as the crew's mom. <sighs> when I came up, yeah. we were all writing fic where they were all having sex. Anyway. <laughs> I, I want to talk about your comment, no one is calling Rothtop a Mary Sue. Oh, yes. I went along to the Star Trek subreddit because I hate life and I hate joy and I hate myself. And actually the buzz for this episode was really positive because it turns out the nerds actually really like Prodigy. It is proper Star Trek to them. And this one had a lot of technobabble, so they were very much in favour of it. And... Mm. They were talking about how great Rocky is and how smart she is and she learns so fast and they just love her. And I was like, okay, but then you think about how you were talking about Michael and Beckett and Dahl and 
Tilly. I don't want people to call Rock Talk a Mary Sue, obviously. I think that would be terrible and I would be really mad if it was happening. But I also think the absence of that is also very telling. Yes. It's very interesting. I think it's in part racism, but it's also the misogyny that leads men to dislike empowered and intelligent female characters is very much bound up in sex and these guys thank god don't see rock talk as a sexual figure i was gonna say she's not pretty i didn't think of that but you're right you're right which is related those two comments i think are similar we know about bronies we know that some men don't hesitate to sexualize small girls in animation i just think that she's not a girl to them yeah because she's big and she's not attractive she is allowed to be super intelligent because what else does she have going for her exactly how could she possibly find worth as a person but also because she's not humanoid and she's little she's also not being fat shamed the way tilly is yeah i'm like shuddering at this whole conversation it's upsetting to me Look, I just honestly, I look at, for example, Star Wars subreddits, and I go back to the Star Trek sub subcultures and think, "Gosh, we're doing pretty well," but it is awful. And I will say that one of the things I love about Prodigy is that it seems to be universally appreciated throughout fandom. The guys complaining that it's a kids' show are very far in the minority. Mm. I'd say it's. A kids show, but it's created to be universal as opposed Mm. created to be for children. Yes, yes. This is something that I think about sometimes, that family television doesn't really exist anymore. We can't really go backwards and change the media landscape, but I do wish that there was more to family entertainment than kids shows, which are also appealing to adults like Prodigy and stuff Mm -hmm. like... Doctor Who, which is great. Like, I love Doctor Who, but what if we had this, but also in other genres? And I had sort of hoped that Strange New Worlds would fit into that category for Star Trek, because really Star Trek has Prodigy and everything else, and Prodigy is the Mm. only one where I would be completely comfortable watching it with a kid. But Strange New Worlds, we know, has an intimacy coordinator in its IMDb credits, so... That, to me, suggests that there's going to be... That's a no. It's certainly not promising. (laughs) I mean, I would say most of Next Generation is pretty family-friendly. Oh, yeah. Not all of Next Generation, but most of Next Generation. Most of Voyager, really, too. Deep Space Nine, no. I think the thing with Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager is that Rick Berman was very, very insistent that this was family television. And it was part of the whole syndication thing, that to function in syndication, it had to be able to be sold into any market and air at almost any time slot. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I think Deep Space Nine got a bit more explicit. Voyager got a bit more explicit as well. But Voyager was very... Oh, I just think UPN didn't know what they wanted. But Voyager had the wrestling issue Mm, mm. in that the only other thing that was popular on UPN was wrestling. And so they were like, okay, so we have to appeal to wrestling fans. And they assume that wrestling fans are like 
men you know men there's certainly men and they're like bros yeah i i would say the lowest common denominator of heterosexual man right so that was an issue but at the same time voyager was led by a woman Mm. had multiple strong women characters and not just strong in the i can punch you out sense but also strong in the multifaceted complicated real people yeah complicated Mm. like have the same sort of arcs as a kirk or a spot type characters so it's interesting when you think of like voyager was somehow the most feminist and the most sexist star treks and it's very interesting watching farscape which started in 1999 so it sort of overlapped with the end of voyager and then enterprise i was actually shocked at how sexist it was how misogynistic and how homophobic and hot take coming in i think it's good that rick berman would not allow a shadow of queerness to touch star trek in the 90s because otherwise it just would have been no homo jokes all the way down all right, so let's talk about Dreadnought and Chakotay. Oh, yeah. We are way far past what we're supposed to be talking about. Although, honestly, I think it's a good conversation. Oh, it was a great conversation that I am absolutely going to cut. <laughs> 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 because Dreadnought uses Chakotay's voice to wipe the Janeway hologram, there is a theory going around that Chakotay is Dreadnought. I love it. Amazing theory. First I saw it as a joke on Tumblr and then I saw people proposing it for serious on Reddit and I was like, guys, guys, guys. Guys, no. I don't believe it for a minute. I do think that it was Chakotay who wiped the Janeway hologram and part of the mystery we're going to be solving is why. And I do think that the Diviner has or has had Chakotay as a prisoner. It reminded me of... The Hunger Games, when they have the Jabber Jays, I think they were called. Yes. That's what it reminded me of. Using a loved one's voice against a person. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because Janeway clearly has an emotional reaction to hearing that. Which is also so great. I love that Hollow Janeway has Chakotay feelings. I'm like, is this an unrequited thing? Because... The gender relationship there is not great, but on a purely emotional level, I kind of like it. Super. It's very interesting. I am aware that I am the person who complained about Zora being in love with with what's-his-face in that short trek. I think it's a sexist cliche, but also Janeway and Chakotay and my adolescent feelings. I just think it's interesting because, again, it brings us back to the... Janeway hologram versus the doctor hologram and how Mm. they're similar and also different. And I just, I really like that stuff. Yeah. I'm really into it. I want to know more. I mean, I'm very interested in how Captain Chakotay ended up with the Janeway hologram in the first place. (laughs) And how many jokes this involved. Yes. It just harkens back to the whole delete the wife situation. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of questions. So I'm very interested in all of that, and I'm excited. But also, I just, I I have a lot of questions about how Dreadnought is a creature that can be recreated by yes. the vehicle replicator. 
and still know exactly who Gwyn is. There's a lot going on with that subplot that I'm very interested in. One of the things that always bugs me a little with the Doctor is that they don't really play with him being an artificial intelligence who is basically a piece of software. Like, there's always one physical Doctor and he's always played by Robert Picardo, except in very special episodes where, you know, whatever. But he's always in one place at one time, for example. Right. And I feel like Dreadnought, the individual, is software and he can be uploaded into any... He, he's like a virus and he can be uploaded into any mechanic and a new body can be replicated for him. Which is super interesting. It's cool. It's something that Star Trek has not done with AI right. before. Other media has, of course. Also, I think the final shot of his remnants in the replicator and his glowing red eye was very reminiscent of early Terminator, which yes. is... I did not see the Terminator movies until I was an adult, but I was nevertheless terrified of Terminators when I was a child. I kind of still am now. So... <laughs> I am very much in favour of inflicting this trauma on modern-day children. That's adorable. So, much like Aliens, I mm. really loved the Terminator movie. Yeah. And my daughter, my older daughter, really loved the Terminator movies too because she's really into time travel that is closed like that. Yeah. You know, like a loop. The whole idea of that time travel, she's really into that kind of uh, yep. stuff. And, you know, obviously this episode had time travel in it and the voice, like that's something that Terminators can do. And definitely mm. at the end, it was very Terminator reminiscent. I'm really into that. I love the idea of bringing in, you know, it's like the greatest generation were doing Future's End. Yes. And they were saying that it was very reminiscent of contemporary sci-fi shows like the x-files yeah and that's absolutely true and they did it on purpose and i feel like they do that on purpose in prodigy as well they make dreadnought be both grievous and a terminator on purpose because we have those intellectual and emotional touchstones of something that we've seen before and we know how we're supposed to feel about it yes the glowing red eye also was reminiscent of a borg oh of course I just really like how they're playing with these sci-fi and Star Trek emotional beats mm. and putting them into something new. And again, when I said like it, it's reminiscent of Rebels, they do that on purpose because we have a connection to that idea. But also it's iconic enough that it's universal in that you don't have right. to have seen Terminator to find... Right. A disembodied machine person with a red eye. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's tapping into the same imagery that those previous media were also building on. And, and so right. it's a really great introduction, not just to Star Trek, but to science fiction in general for the young viewer. And certainly as someone whose introduction to science fiction as a child was via Star Trek, I think that's fantastic. Yes, I love it. So, yeah. yay, good job, Prodigy. This episode was amazing. This episode was pure Star Trek. It was so enjoyable. Every single character had a moment where I was emotionally connected to them. Mm. It was a fun plot. A+. Plus. I am going to be deeply traumatized forever by Rock Talk's tiny plush Murph. 
Oh my goodness. The good night, everybody. I, I just wanted to cry. The entire... I mean, I am not kidding when I say I sobbed during this episode. Oh, gosh. Because Rock no. Talk was devastating. My tiny, giant child. Okay. Thank you for listening to our 100th episode. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes, many of which are correctly punctuated. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr, all at antimatterpod, and write to us at mail at antimatterpod.com. If you like us, leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts, or just tell someone on social media or in person, if that's a thing you do, how great we are. We like to have new listeners, even though we have enough in-jokes at this point that we are probably impenetrable. And join us next week when we'll be discussing the next episode of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star Part 1. I cannot believe that I have to return to work for the year with the beginning of a Prodigy 2-parter ahead of me. How dare. How dare. I'm excited though. I'm oh, excited yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs>